Hello and welcome to What the Tech from Boast AI, where we talk with some of the brilliant minds behind new and exciting tech initiatives to learn what it takes to tackle technological uncertainty and eventually change the world. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Janelle Gorman of York IE, which is a strategic growth and investment firm reshaping the way tech companies are built, scaled, and monetized. Janelle is CFO at York, where she is tasked with financial reporting and analysis, compliance, and financial operations to support and drive growth. While based in New Hampshire, with roots in the Boston area, where I've similarly cut my teeth, York IE has expanded their services to help the startup community in Canada as well. The company supports ambitious entrepreneurs, operators, and investors on their quest to build startups, innovate at scale, and disrupt markets, an ethos we share deeply here at Boast. I'll leave it to Janelle to discuss what these activities look like in action, differences between growing a startup in the U.S. versus Canada, and what she's excited about for the future of innovation on both sides of the border. So without further ado, Janelle, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. We are thrilled to have you. So for starters, before we dive in deep on what York does, love to learn more about yourself. Where are you based? What's your background? And how'd you get into the startup scene? Awesome. Yeah, sounds good. So I am in Manchester, New Hampshire. Not what one might think of when they think of the startup scene, but we're making some cool stuff happen up here. You know, this is this is where my people are here in New Hampshire. Um, never found a reason to leave. Nothing to run toward, nothing to run away from. Everything I've needed, we found here, which is awesome. And we'll talk more about that and, and what York IE is kind of doing in this cool space that we're kind of creating for ourselves and and why none of us had to kind of scram to Boston or the West Coast. Um, we're able to do it here. But that's where I am. Love it here. I have a CPA background, which is which is sometimes different for a CFO. Um, you know, a lot of folks come up through that like finance track. So mine's like CPA, true accounting, public accounting background, um, loved playing by the rules. I love a good puzzle. I think that that's what kind of drives me to this space and what kind of drives me to accounting. Some people say, you know, you have a lot of personality for an accountant. You know, there, there's kind of two accountants that you, you can find. One is someone that loves rules. Uh, others is someone that loves a puzzle. And I think I'm the latter. You know, the, the finance game is how can we make everything work? How could we possibly fit this all together? How does this impact that? How does it fit? And does it fit crossways and vertically? And can you flip it around? And does it still work? Um, that's what I love about accounting. That's why I think I love startup space, because that's got to be the most complicated puzzle you could ever solve. Um, there's nothing simple about it. And the pieces are always changing. Um, so super fun challenge. That's me. That's where I find myself. Oh, I love it, Janelle. And I love the way you put that. Some CPAs you see love rules. That's a lot of what you also see in the CFO realm, just kind of by default, because they have to be the rule enforcers in many cases. But loving a puzzle, that's such an interesting way to go into it, because we have a lot of CPAs on our team, obviously. Uh, we do a lot of the financial capital strategy for a lot of the companies that we work with, too. So um, a lot of simpatico between what we're doing and the folks that I talk to daily here at Boast, because they share that mentality. It's kind of the solving the challenge. It's going into that startup space and fitting the pieces together. That was beautifully put. So now talking about York specifically, I know we started talking a little bit about Manchester as kind of a new hub for innovation and New Hampshire not being a traditional area where you see companies like this. But tell me a little bit about what York is doing, I guess, why New Hampshire and what you guys are planning for the future. 
Yeah. So Wine New Hampshire, this is where a lot of us grew up. So we have three co-founders, Kyle York, Joe Raska, and Adam Coughlin. And then a bunch of people that kind of jumped, jumped the ship with them early too. They're almost like quasi co-founders. Um, a bunch of us started at a company called Dyn, Dynamic Network Services, Inc. That was here in Manchester, internet infrastructure as a service company. And that was really one of the earlier kind of cool companies in Manchester um, and, and where what New Hampshire was doing. There's a few of them that were kind of starting to say, hey, let's think about things differently, not just what we sell, but how we sell it and how we work and how we go about things. And it was really a disruptor. And so it attracted a lot of these great entrepreneurial minds. And that's where that's where they all, well, I shouldn't say that's where they met. Some of them met in elementary school, uh, but that's where they, they really kind of worked together. That's where I met. I met them. And in doing that, they just forged kind of great relationships here. Uh, they found that they were able to really make an impact on the tech market right from home. And so they thought, hey, this is a great place to be. It's a favorable tax environment. So I know we'll kind of talk about that. Um, it's a great place for people to live and work. And we can do it from here. So let's give it a go. And that's what they've done. And it's been you know, really successful so far. Um, we're about four years in officially for York IE. And what York IE does is really you know, a startup helping startups. We invest in and advise early tech companies. Actually, we advise uh, some later stage as well. We don't only advise uh, those that we invest in, but kind of our thesis is B2B SaaS. That's where we all kind of got our start. And so why not, you know, double down on what we're really good at and be helping others with, with what we know and love. For sure. That is so cool. So I've unofficially been a big fan of you guys for a long time um, since the four year ago start point. I worked previously as a partner in the B2B SaaS community with Kate Campbell on your team. Um, she helped do PR for me at several different companies. It's been a great relationship. She's been a great mentor and advisor on the side too for years. So just knowing the value I've gotten out of that personal relationship and knowing that that kind of embodies what the founders team is at York. That's really, really cool and something I think other founders and other startups can really embrace. So love hearing all that. I'd love to hear a bit more about the startups that you work with and the partners that you guys have in the ecosystem and what is your ideal startup if that is kind of a criteria you're worth sharing yeah sure kind of the thesis is high growth technology which is so very broad we kind of say like every company is a technology company now um and if you aren't you probably should look at becoming one you know whether you sell food or you're in healthcare or you're in beauty products or you are in true traditional software but we think Everybody's really, really uh, a tech company. So we love working in all sorts of industries. It keeps things, it keeps things pretty interesting as we jump from call to call, where you know, one will be talking about, you know, no seafood, and the next we're talking about, you know, recruiting or healthcare staffing. Uh, and the next we're talking about like really true platform development and software services. So industry agnostic, but really that high growth tech background. When we think about our investments, we're an early stage investor. Um, so we're investing in B2B software as a service and um, early stage. So pre-seed, seed, maybe into series A, that's where we're at now. 
you never know what the future holds, but but that's that's where we're at for now. And that's really exciting. So some of our clients and some of our investments are pre-revenue. And then on the client side, really, we're no longer limited by check size or that really kind of strict thesis that we have with our investment partners. So we work all the way up through you know, really large companies that have their own CFO and their own CTO. And we become more of a corporate strategy business advisor and a little bit of like extra hands on deck. So we really try to think about in investing and advising, how can we do it differently? How can we do it better? How can we really like roll up our sleeves and get in there with folks? Because when you're high growth, regardless of what stage you're at, there's a ton of work that needs to be done. You're never going to have enough hours in the day. And if you find an extra hour somewhere, you're going to put it to use. And that's what we love to do. So we say we have you know a few modules that we focus on for advisory support. So let's go to market and revenue operations, marketing communications, which is where we, yeah, you know and love Kate Campbell, corporate strategy and financial planning and analysis, which is where I spend some of my time as well, and then product development. And for that, we have a really large team. That's been our largest module that's been growing. So we're up over 100 employees internationally now, and just find that we really can be impactful and make a difference. We are a startup helping startups. We're operators helping to operate. We're business strategists helping to strategize. We're right in the game. We know what's going on. We know how to help, and we're not scared to kind of jump right in. Uh, we don't just leave that kind of rosy advice. You know, we're, we're doing a lot of work, which is a ton of fun, but like, dang, we're, we're kind of... <laughs> we tired too. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, no that that makes a huge difference when you're literally bumping elbows with the folks that you're trying to help. You're bringing everybody up together, and that is so cool. I know we alluded to this a little bit, and actually came out before I dive into that. Actually, I was really interested to hear about the product component of what you guys bring to other companies. That feels like a very unique differentiator compared to the other not incubator accelerator programs that we've spoken to, but just the other communities. It's a lot more like okay, you own the product team. We're going to let you guys focus on that. We'll take over that more go-to-market stuff. So you guys are very holistic in your offerings. Is that a good read? Yeah, absolutely. And it's evolved over time. I mean, we've only been around for a few years, like I said, but as all startups do, we move in fast forward. Um, and we've really grown and evolved and matured in what our service offering is. And we've tried a few modules that you know the, the market didn't necessarily want or need at the moment, and, and we've pivoted. But we've found, I think the offerings that we have now are really matching the key components of what you need to be driving high growth. Right? There's a plethora of business needs. You could consult on hundreds of topics. But really, where we're focused on in that go-to-market dev um, and go-to-market kind of being revenue operations and marketing communications, and then having that finance and corporate strategy to overlay it, that's like really kind of the nuts and bolts of what you've got to get done for a startup and a high growth. You need to have product market fit first and foremost, right? So even just our two words, right? Product market, they're right in there. Um, you need to know what your market wants, how to communicate with them, and then how to how to build a product that matches that and really fits. Um, and then overlaying all of that, how are you possibly going to fit that puzzle together and get it done? How much do you need to raise if you're going to be going, going out for fundraising? Um, how much of your cap table can you afford um, for dilution? You know, what's your tolerance there? How much capital runway do you have? When you fundraise, how much capital uh, runway do you need um, to be fundraising at that time before you think about a next one? Who are you going to be hiring? What's their sales quota? How many clients per customer support person? All these things kind of come into like that puzzle, right? So when we think about finance, it's so far beyond 
just a cash balance or a PL or a balance sheet. We're building that puzzle. And so I think that's why we found a really great acceleration and growth in the clients that we serve and how many we serve and really what we're up to, because that's the core of what they're really needing. And so our product team, they're incredible. Like I can't say enough about this team. It's led by our CTO, Mike Veyu, um, our kind of head person out in India is Kalra Parsana. He leads an amazing team of people that just do truly incredible work that they're passionate about. Because we partner with India, we can do it at a price that's manageable for startups. But with the the overlay of the US team and the India team working together, we really make sure that we're delivering at the needs of a, of a US client that knows the US market and probably is still just going for a US customer base. Not many are like going like with a super international go-to-market motion just yet. Yeah. So so we find that you know being in the mix, having developers that are developing our own platform called Fuel, which you've got to check out. It's incredibly powerful. The the milestones um, and features and functionalities that they built on that platform is just like absolutely incredible. Um, I could talk about that all day, <laughs> but we're building our own platform along with helping others build theirs, you know, and then being an extension of their team sometimes. So if I'm working with a client in finance and I'm looking through their, their p and I'm like, okay, we need to drive new client adoption. This is the new feature that's going to come out. That's really going to drive our go-to-market motion. We're making all these puzzle pieces fit. We're like, well, what if we could bring that feature forward three months? You know, can our development team even come and it help you accelerate that roadmap without having to hire two more full-time devs that, you know, once that feature is launched, you don't necessarily need them anymore. So it can be a great, when we say extension of your team, it can be ongoing. You know, we've had clients that have been here for a couple of years, or it can be just an accelerator. Like, hey, can I grab two devs um, just for this three-month project that can help me push through? Or, you know, can I spend a day with you on site going through my strategy and you can put holes in it and show me your model and you can put holes in that. Um, So the extension of, of the team model really works both for ongoing engagements or for just kind of project accelerators. No, that is awesome. And especially with the companies at the stage that you primarily work with, a lot of them are still pulling that MVP together. So having that additional set of eyes and additional set of expertise, really, to understand, okay, this is how we get it to where we need it to be to just get that product market fit understanding in place. That's so valuable. So now I'd love to dig in a little bit more into your area of expertise. You had mentioned earlier that New Hampshire is a very friendly environment from a financial standpoint to launch a startup, United States as well. And I know that you guys are starting to help some Canadian customers too. Could you tell me about some of the differences, the pros, the cons, what you think you'd recommend maybe for startups who are growing in your locality or maybe looking to grow in the US versus Canada? Yeah, for sure. We actually have three employees in Canada now. Wow. Yeah, so we did a small acquisition of Jameson Strategies. Um, must have been at least a year ago now, maybe two. I know time flies in this startup startup uh, speed. Yeah, great, great folks that we met up in Ottawa, and we scooped them up. And they're doing our revenue operations module, and they're they're absolutely killing it. They're tremendously valuable um, to the clients that they serve, and and to the York IE internal team. But isn't that just like the wildest example of how quickly one can go international without even meaning to? Um, When I was, you know, back when we were talking about them, my CEO, Kyle, was like, I found the most amazing, you know, group of individuals for revenue operations are doing tremendous work. They fit perfectly in our space. And I said, I crossed my fingers, actually, and said, please let them be in the U.S. just to make my life easier, right? Nope, sure enough, they're in Canada because we had just gotten through the India acquisition. 
And, you know, it gets easier and easier, you know? So, so not only are we meeting people that may be international, but hiring them wasn't all, wasn't all so difficult. And actually we found some really great relationships in Canada and some really great programs. So I think it's come a long way back in my dying days, we did a lot of international stuff. And even then just, I don't know, five, how long ago was that? Seven, 10 years ago? I don't know. It changes a lot with our optionality of how we can move internationally and how um, eager different localities are to have tech in their space, right? So we've been talking to Invest Ottawa and they're incredibly friendly and resourceful and eager to help. The programs in each area are different, but what I've found um, with the networks that we've created is they're out there. And so it's a matter of just going out and finding them and figuring out what works best for your um, own company and its stage. And what when I think about startup and high growth too, you know, we can't solve, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? So really where we focus is what can we do today that meets our current needs, but builds a strong foundation for potential strategic growth wherever we may see it, right? So even in Canada, what, how should we deal with this today? How can we get these guys on our team and really like start working with them in a way that is not cost prohibitive? It's not overly burdensome, but it allows like if they take off and they want to hire a hundred people, like our dev module has done in India, then we're able to do that and we're able to pivot. So we focus a lot on, on kind of foundational. Um, strength. And that includes international expansion. So, you know, we looked into employer of records for international hiring. That can be a great resource. Do we want to open our own subsidiary? Even when we're doing acquisitions, is it easier to acquire that company or to close that company and start a new one and move everybody over? So that's some of the work that we actually do with our clients is kind of, okay, tell me strategically what you want to accomplish. Then let's, and where, where might that grow in five years? What can we do today to accomplish what you need to do, enable yourself for the future, but not over-engineer what we're trying to do? So, so yeah, I think that exercise is incredibly valuable, whether you're in the U.S., in all, in all sorts of different states, whether you're in Canada. Um, and I think it's pretty cool how quickly you can find yourself in a new location. And then once we land there, and we've done this in India, we've done this in Canada, and a couple states, actually, that we had employees decide to move to because they, they could be remote get to know your government and your groups as soon as you get in there, or as soon as you think you might be getting in there. You know, you're not going to know the tax environment or the grants that are available or those support programs or whatever it may be of every place to like really make your choices. But once you have some options of, hey, we might go here, we might go there, dive in, reach out to your like small business administration or Invest Ottawa or your different government groups, nonprofit groups that are there trying to really create a hub. Um, because they're typically going to be out there wherever you go. A lot of cities that aren't traditional startup cities are really becoming awesome places um, for that stuff. And then figure out what they've got. And in Canada, they were like, hey, just so you know, if you want anybody to come over from India, we can get them into Canada actually through this program very easily and get them working here. Um, I think there was a program for college interns to be paid through that programming. So the programs are out there. It's, it's incredible. The state of Maine has been incredible for what kind of grants they're giving. Um, the state of Minnesota, we were just looking at an angel tax credit. I mean, they're getting creative and it's awesome for, for entrepreneurs. They really are. And I love that point you made about there's some of those smaller cities that don't necessarily have that shine of being a tech hub, but they want to get in on it. And for good reason, there's so much talent. It's kind of where the future is. Um, and even to your point too, about the very unique 
tax situation in each state, but also in Canada provincially. Sure, Canada is famous for having its shred tax program. That's where most kind of cut their teeth in specializing and helping with capital strategy on that front, making sure that startups at the very same stage as the companies that your team works with are able to tap into that free money that the Canadian government wants to give them. Um, it helps them stay in Canada. It helps them employ more people in Canada. But it also helps, again, just give Canada more to boast about, too, um, in terms of just we help this startup really not have to leave or go somewhere else. We partner with Halifax came to mind. We partner with a lot of um, ecosystem up in Nova Scotia right now, and they have very unique but very aggressive growth goals. And the tax program there is very different than it is in Western Canada, where we started out. But there's so much to take advantage of. And we love that we're working with startups who are hungry to dive in on that and to learn more with us. And again, it's about learning what's available in those communities and finding partners who have that presence there. Um, we're emerging in Atlantic Canada. We're emerging in the US still. We're really trying to get more of a foothold in a brand there. Hearing you talk about uh, Maine and their tax program too. I just, I know people in Maine. I'm based here in Boston. So I know just firsthand that there is some exciting new tech startups happening up there. And I wasn't expecting to hear, oh yeah, we're based out of Kittery. <laughs> we're based yeah. out of Portland. Yeah. So yeah. I think that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, I think partnerships is so critical because in a startup, right? Like I just actually posted about this last week. You know, we say like, oh, at startups, you wear many hats. And almost sometimes it becomes this point of pride. Like, look at all the things I can do. I'm like A to Z. And, and that's great. And it's out of necessity, but it's not without its risks. Mm -hmm. um, and so really, I think it's critical for founders and entrepreneurs to look around and say, like, it's great that I, I can wear this many hats, but what hats might you be able to take off? Or what might you be able to partner with um, and ask for help? There's no shame in asking for help. It's actually a really smart thing to do, especially when that help might be inexpensive or or in some cases, like with the R&D credit, what you pay to get it done, what you get back, it, it pays for itself. And those things are out there. And so hard work and kind of muscling through um, has its moments. But yeah, stop and take a look around, see who you can partner with, who's willing to help you, what's out there. One thing I love about the startup ecosystem is it's not for the faint of heart, right? Anybody who's in this ecosystem is here because they're hungry, they're ambitious, they're agile, they want to be, they're movers and shakers, they want to be innovative, they want to be disruptive. Like these are all the words that get us really excited. So there's a lot of energy that can come from the startup community. And if everybody's looking for help and everybody's offering help, then the strength that we can find through partnerships will lift everybody up. Absolutely. And I think to build on that point too, when you hear high growth company or a company with ambitious goals, founders often think they have to go zero to 100 on their own. Go from zero to one and get some partners. Get that product market fit, establish first, figure out what your MVP is and leverage those partnerships to help do the rest to get you to that 100 point. So that was beautifully said, Janelle. I can't thank you enough. I guess my last question, what are you most excited about for the rest of 2023? You know, it's if this isn't the weirdest couple of years, I think I said to somebody else, I would love to live in precedented times, you know, like what the heck with COVID and, you know, valuations being crazy and then they kind of come down and then Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic. I mean, it's just been such a whirlwind. Um, I am 
I'm always of the opinion, get comfortable being uncomfortable. If you are too comfortable, it's time to shake it up and challenge yourself a little bit more. I think that we're finding a place where we can be a bit comfortable being uncomfortable. We've been challenged and tested. And one of the biggest things that we talk about at York IE is pragmatic growth. So take risks, but have them be measured. Move quickly, but don't be chaotic. I'm I'm excited to see what the back half of 2023 has to offer to say, okay, we've come this far in a pretty crazy environment. We've learned a ton. We've evolved and matured and grown in ways that I, I didn't know were necessarily possible, but here we are. How can we leverage these really tough lessons that we've learned to go forward and launch into a great back half of 23 and into 2024 and kind of be prepared a little bit for the fight? Like, we're not going to be taken off guard, um, maybe as much as we used to be, you know, knock on wood. I'm not like challenging you know, um, any any crazy things, but craziness happens. We've survived this far. So I'm encouraged to see to see what we can do here. I hear you. Yeah, uh, we've all come out the other side of these very unprecedented times a little sharper and a little probably more adept at doing unprecedented things, but it'll be nice to get back to a sense of normalcy and a little bit of predictability where we yeah. can just launch. So, yes. And if we don't get there, then at least we've built some really strong muscles to keep up the fight. Exactly. We are scrappy. This is awesome. Janelle, I cannot thank you enough for joining me today. This was fantastic. And thank you listeners for joining us. Please subscribe to What the Tech from Boast AI wherever you get your podcasts.